Buenos días a todos. Thank you for being here. My world is bilingual, trilingual, I don't know even anymore, so if something of other than English escapes, no, I don't have the gift of tongues per se. It's just my world. Thank you, George, for that beautiful cast your every care on him. Let's do that this morning as we open God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, we do cast our cares on you. Every single person, a different world here, but you know everything. And so we give you our burdens and our care. And my heart today, <laughs> restless and nervous, I cast that care upon you as well. Hide me behind you and don't let me get in the way of what you have to say today. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen. Let me ask you a question. What was the best excuse you've ever made? And when I say best, I mean the most legitimate excuse you've ever made. Think about it. What is the best? What, what was going on? I'm sure maybe, you know, things, sometimes a lot of things come up and you really, really cannot. What was the best? So once you have that, you have it, turn to your neighbor on your right and tell them what that was. Can you share that? A little embarrassing, maybe, I know, but go ahead, share it, share it. What was the best, the most legitimate excuse you've ever made in your life? People are like, I don't know. And if you're at home, you better do that too. Whoever is with you there at home, you don't get off the hook either. Think about that and tell whoever is there with you in whatever room of the house you happen to be in. Now, let me ask you even a harder question. <laughs> what is the worst excuse you have ever made in your life? In other words, the most lame excuse you have ever done in your life. Do you have it? We've all done it. We've all done it. So what is that? You have it? You guessed it. Turn to your left and tell them what, the, <laughs> what that was. Go ahead, go ahead, tell them. And this, was, this one might be even harder, you know. <laughs> go ahead, think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, like, as a teacher, you do hear a lot of it. Now, there's a lot of legitimate, and we, we use the word excuse in the, in the <laughs> context of education a lot uh, as well. And that means it's a legitimate thing. You know, when a student is excused from class or whatever, you know, there's an actual legit. But I'm not talking about that kind of excuse. Uh, sometimes, you know, I have had a student tell me, yes, my, my pet ate my homework, literally. And maybe it actually does happen. I don't know. <laughs> but when you talk about excuses, you know, in this context... Uh, for example, in the, in the book, in the book, in the dictionary, Oxford, uh, it tells us, they have several, several uh, uh, definitions. And one of those caught my eye. It says, release, as a verb, right? Excuse as a verb. It releases someone from a duty or requirement. And I thought about that. I was like, wait, oof, that sounds... Interesting. And then I, I, was, I found an article by, by uh, someone who um, kind of does uh, motivation and, uh, and engages people in, in trying to get to goals that they set for themselves. He created what he calls the 100-day the challenge. Maybe some of you might have heard it. His name is Gary 
Blair, but he's talking about the excuse. He says a lot of people make excuses when they come to me and they want to do something, you know, and, they, and most of it. And he says the difference between an excuse and a, and a, and a, and a reason is that uh, not necessarily the, what is happening, but what we do with what happens. And so he says, and this, let me just read a little from this article. He says, the result is what the difference. It's what we do with each that determines the difference. If you are the excuse-making type, you have a strong tendency to view an excuse as the result of an uncontrollable event that you deem as an exoneration of your tasks, responsibilities, and plans. In other words, something that gets you off the hook for something that you know you have to do. And obviously there's legitimate things, clearly. The, he gives an example uh, when, if you have to run, uh, I, I happened to be in a blessed team of pastors who like to run. And I must mes- make the confession that unless there is a soccer ball in front of me, I have a hard time running. So this will get, you know, it will grow on me. but. He says, you know, if you have a broken leg, that will be a reason you can't run, you know. But if you say, I don't have time, you know, maybe that's, that's not what we're talking about. So he talks about this, how we use excuses to exonerate. That's a powerful verb that he uses as an exoneration of our tasks. Have you ever used? Yes, you have. Because I just asked you. <laughs> excuses. But now let's think about it spiritually. Have you ever heard, uh, used an excuse not to do or to get off the hook of something that you thought and you knew God was asking you to do? We all have done that. And we've been talking about the prophets with Pastor Getz in his series, The Prophets. We had a lovely conversation as well. Thank you to those who came out. Uh, if you have not heard those prophets leading out to this, to this, those sermons of that series leading out to now, I invite you to get on our social media, you know, or whatever you choose to do. You, they are all there. Listen to them again. Study. Let's listen to this pro, to the prophets instead of the distractions. Like Pastor Geth has been leading us through that. Today, I thought we would do like a little parenthesis, a spin-off, if you would. Because we've been talking about prophets, mostly non-writing prophets. Let's do a quiz like we did this morning. Let's see if this class can get a better grade than last class, Pastor Getz. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and at home, let's see if you can pick it up. What prophets have we studied so far? For those of you who have been with us, if you are a visitor, you have a good excuse. No pun intended. <laughs> so um, what, is, what prophets have we uh, studied so far in our series? Elijah, good. Elisha, good. Nehemiah. Deborah, last Sabbath, we're talking about ne- De- Deborah. Anyone else? Have we been studying only good, I mean, uh, true prophets? <laughs> there, was a, there was a name of a prophet that was like, kind of like, hmm, you have to hire them to, to do something. You, you listen to the sermons again. I won't give that up a- any, anymore if you haven't listened, because it's a beautiful study. Today, I thought we would look at one of the best If you talk about prophets, the Bible says there was no one like him. Literally, it says, no one ever came like him, quiet like him afterwards. And you know, because you're looking at the title, I'm talking about Moses. And one of the favorites too. The one who received the most revelations. And incidentally, 
the, the students, and we miss you dearly, we miss them dearly now. Obviously, it's a home living, so it's a transition time. Some people come, some people go, taking a little long weekend. Um, but they have been studying through the book of Exodus with Chaplin, Nancy, and Levy very carefully. And I thought, you know, this was part of also the, what was, got me thinking about Moses as well. And in the fall, we had, a, we had a whole series about historic, some of you were for, here for that. Again, if you want to hear, like, the, the time of Hatshepsut, who was probably the one who raised Moses, not raised, but who was with Moses, the mother, the adopted mother, so to speak. Amenhotep was probably the pharaoh at the time. And there's several, one, two, three, whatever. So we've been thinking about this. And so I thought, Moses, the best prophet of all, the one who received the best revelations and saw the greatest, mighty hand of God at work. But from his, is because it is because from the best prophet come the biggest excuses. Mm. Because the story of Moses actually begins, as you know, when he went to, to be with probably, probably Hatshepsut. He was there and he knew God had a calling in his life. And he went to this, he got the training as an Egyptian conqueror. Oh, he had the best education, so to speak, of a warrior. And so when he saw an opportunity to deliver God's people to do what God had called them to do, he took it upon himself to do it. And what happened? You know what happened. By the way, how old was Moses when, um, when this happened? When he saw the Egyptian master beating the enslaved Israelites. How old was Moses? You might be calling it out at home. He was 40 years old. When that happened. Now, 40 years old, it sounds like a good age to come into ministry, doesn't it? <clears throat> Amen. Uh, some of us can relate to that. But um, so you would think this is, this is the prime of Moses' life as a leader. And actually, 40 years old is very important uh, in, the, in the context of leadership in the, in the Bible, actually. Um, but when he does that, he ends up having to escape. He gets afraid for his life. Pharaoh wanted to kill him. What do you think he felt like at that point? Well, I imagine maybe he felt like, uh, well, God has not, uh, God doesn't want me to do this anymore. I have messed up my calling. I cannot go back to it. I can't, he cannot use me anymore. Whatever he was thinking, he escaped for, the, for his life, literally. And the next time, well, we hear about him. He's in the desert. He has a job as a shepherd. Nothing wrong with that. That's what he was doing. In fact, God redeemed him. He opened up an escape route for him. He found a beautiful wife. Man, same thing with first service. I, you guys, I could hear some amens for that. Una hermosa esposa. Yes. And God blessed him with that. He had a wonderful father-in-law who gave him a job, redeemed him, and, and kind of helped him to redefine his life, this time not in his own terms. 
what he thought he needed to do in his own strength, in his own timing, but kind of redefine his life in a completely different context. Now he's a shepherd. And in chapter 3 of Exodus, let's open up to chapter 3 in Exodus. Do you have your Bibles with you? If it's okay with you, I'm going to invite you to look at your Bible to read and follow as we go along this teaching, this study together. And so the outline is right there in your Bible in chapter 3 and chapter 4. If you use a cell phone, I understand you can use a cell phone, no problem. That's a risk because you can see a little notification. Oh, let me see what she said or he said or whatever. Maybe you can turn those off. But use whatever Bible you feel comfortable with because I want you to see it from your Bible. So we are in chapter 3. And it says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. How old was Moses when he shows up in chapter 3? 40 was when he escaped. He was 80 years old. Wow. Yeah, wow is right. By this time, he felt this, was he, this is what he was going to do for the rest of his life. He thought, okay, you know, he was ready, basically ready for retirement. I don't know what kind of retirement a shepherd would have. You know, I don't think the sheep, the sheep still need help. So as long as uh, he was physically strong, he would probably have kept, kept doing that. But he thought that's what he was supposed to do for the rest of his life. Do you think that morning he got up, 80 years young, himself opened his eyes and said, oh, I think God is going to show up today. I don't think so. I think he, he thought, okay, what do we need to do with the sheep? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm sure he called them by name. I don't know what name he called them. You know, like, I don't know. Uh, you know, a little, little so-and-so has uh, something in the eye. I got to help him. Oh, yeah. And little so-and-so. Yes, I got to help them with the feed, blah, blah, blah. I hope we find grass. Whatever he was thinking about shepherding. Maybe he got to wake up really early that morning. He was not expecting what happened that day. And perhaps some of us can relate to that. As we talk about the best or the biggest excuses from one of the best prophets, I hope you and I can relate. I hope we see something here that the Spirit can use to stir us up a little bit. Because maybe you also think, okay, I know what God wants me to do. I have been there too. I think this is where, oh yes, I'm going to, yes. And you are in your comfort zone. We use that word, right? We, and we do, and, and, but the prophets keep calling us to, to choices, tough choices sometimes. God shows up in unexpected ways, at unexpected times, to unsuspecting people. Say amen. Perhaps you and I are unsuspecting people, unsuspecting candidates. Perhaps the time is not what you would have chosen for whatever. Perhaps the way God showed up in your life is not what you would have asked them to do. But God knows your heart. So when the burning bush shows up in your life, however he's going to choose to show up, sometimes in crisis, sometimes in whatever way he's conversing, he can use anything at his disposal, but he shows up in unexpected ways, at unexpected times, to unsuspecting people. 
And he was not the kind of candidate that he himself would have chosen. He thought he was no longer a candidate to save Israel. Sometimes we feel the same way. Maybe you feel the same way. You, maybe you would not hire yourself for the job God is asking you to do. But we read here in chapter 3 that God appeared. Verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. How? In a flame of fire. Oof. From the midst of a bush. And now God has his attention. Verse, verse 3 says, I will now turn aside. Verse 4 says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, he called to him. So God had Moses' attention. And you know that sometimes in unexpected ways, God will have your attention. He will do or use things to say, hey, look this way. You've been going this way. You've been shepherding all whatever you've been doing. In this case, for 40 years, you've been doing this. I have blessed you. You have found a family, all this. But I'm here today, and I need you to look my way. So he will get your attention one way or another. He will try. Moses looks and then starts a conversation. And in this conversation, we're going to see the excuses that Moses made. Are you ready? Okay, maybe, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, so I hope we are. It's tough, I'm telling you. But here we go with Moses and his excuses. God says to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And he says, the place where you are is holy ground. When Moses hears that, what does he do? He takes off his sandals. In re, in, it's a culture. It's a culture. It's like a response to, a, to holy. Like I'm not even worthy of having my shoes here. That's a whole different story. But he is afraid. Look at verse 6. At the end of verse 6, it says he is afraid. I have a feeling Moses was afraid. After 40 years shows up in my life. God shows up. What does he want? Maybe he is mad that I haven't saved Israel, but I couldn't do it. I tried. Maybe he even felt like, well, God, I tried, but you didn't show up. You have been silent for 40 years, and here I am. Or maybe it's like, I've just been living my life. I've been trying to be a, 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 a healthy, strong Christian. What, what do you want now? I don't know, but he was afraid. So God tells him, I have come. I have heard my people suffering, which again, it's so much here. God knows our suffering. Cast your curse on him like George was singing. But God tells him in verse 10. Look at verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send what? Are you reading it in verse 10? I will send. Tú. Te voy a mandar a ti. I will send you. And when Moses hears that. He has what, what we all do. He has an excuse because he thinks he's done. No, no, I can't do this. So look at verse 11. Here we go. First excuse. Put it on the screen. First excuse. So Moses said to God, who? Who what? Who am I? 
his first excuse has to do with himself. And you're going to see that most of, his, most of our excuses turn to be self-centered. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? What Moses is really saying is that I am a nobody. I'm 80 years old, shepherding. All my degrees and all my training are back in the memory, in the history, covered by the dust of the desert of northern Africa. I do not know anymore how to do this job. I am nobody. Who am I? So the, the excuse that he's making is talking about himself. Worried that he's a nobody. And what is God's response? God has a response to all of our excuses. And here we're going to see what he said to Moses, verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you. Wait a minute. The question was, who am I, God? And God answers with, I will be with you. It seems like he's not really listening to the question. But see, God is saying, Moses... You are thinking of yourself, and I want you to think of me. You are too distracted, 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 estás muy distraído. You're too distracted by all the things that you think about yourself. So much noise inside your head by the things that you are thinking about yourself that you cannot even listen to what I am saying about you. He says, don't pay attention to what you think about yourself. Listen to me. Pay attention to me. Look my way. Because when you focus on me, God says, you will find out who you really are. You see, all of us believe a lot of things about ourselves. But not until you fall in love with Christ and you lose yourself in love with him, that you can actually find out who you really are. Your identity lives in God. And we are so focused on ourselves because we are afraid that we sometimes don't even listen to what he is saying about us. God God said to Moses, "Don't, don't focus on you. Focus on me. I will be with you, Moses. And then he said, you will bring the people and you will bring them to worship. So worship became a sign between God and his people. First excuse and first response. I will be with you. Maybe you have made that first excuse. Who am I? Who am I? And you fill in the blank because we are very good at filling in the blank all the things that we are. Sometimes we have way too, we think that we are the best thing that has ever worked on, walked on the planet. That also happens. Either way, it's self-centered. God says, uh-uh, focus on me because I will be with you. Excuse number two, verse 13. When, God, when, when Moses hears that, he says, Indeed, verse 13, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? What is Moses really saying? Who are you? Wait, wait, wait. You come in the burning bush 40 years after I've been here in the desert, and you, you come, like, I don't, how, 
how is this working? I'm not even sure who you are. Like I know you're the father of Abraham. Notice what he says in that verse. When, they, when I say, you know, the father, the father of uh, your fathers has sent me to you. See, he's not even putting himself in the picture there. You are the father of all, of, of all their fathers. I mean, the God of all their fathers. But I'm not sure you are my God yet. I don't know who you are. Maybe you feel like that too. Maybe there are some young people who feel like, yeah, yeah, father. Yes, mom. I hear you. I see you. You do all these things. You have your faith. But I don't know who God is. I don't know who he is. I don't know what he can do. I don't, I don't understand. I feel like he's been silent. I see all the miracles of the past. Who are you? Sometimes we do use that as an excuse. <laughs> see, God calls people that don't have a, sometimes he calls people that don't have a complete understanding of who he is. As they, they serve and as they get to know him, that's when they get a complete picture. If Moses had never responded to the call, he would have never seen the fire tornado in front of him. He would have never known the grace of the sanctuary, which we were talking about in Sabbath school today. He would have, because as you walk in faith, as you respond to the call and do what God is calling you to do, it is, him, it is then that God reveals in ways to you that you, you never imagined. That's who you are. Wow. Tell me more. And you want more from him. That's why Moses, after, 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 one of the best chapters in the Bible is when he says, show me your glory. Because he was, he was in a different place then. He wanted more. So it's okay to ask God, who are you? He's not afraid of you asking him, who are you? In fact, he's quite happy with that question. He says, oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> and one of the best responses in the whole Bible, we talked about it, here comes the name of God, verse 14. So that's excuse number two, who are you? Response number two, verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. What a name. What does that mean? <laughs> this is where we get Yahweh, which we think it, this is the way you pronounce it. It's difficult because in a lot of Jewish traditions, a lot of rabbis, a lot of scribes would not even say the name. That's why in the Jewish tradition, you don't say Yahweh. They exchange it for the Adonai, which means Lord. Because it's too holy to even mention. It's too holy to even write. Some traditions, it is said that they would either they would either write Adonai or other traditions, they would write it and then never use that pen or that, that feather, that utensil ever again. Yahweh. What does that mean? What is God saying? What is God's response to Moses? The question is, who are you? What, what is your name? See, because the Egyptians have lots of different names. You have, you have uh, oh, Isis and Osiris and, and you have Ra. You have all these different gods. What is your name? Who you are? How do you define yourself? And, I, and God says, I don't need to define myself. In fact, I define existence. I exist. There was a time when there was no time. And there I am. 
I am the burning bush, Moses. The, the New Testament, the New Testament takes the name of Yahweh and, and, and they describe it in Greek a little differently. They say, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Because he's always present. Everywhere. Even before time. Our existence is defined by him. And everything that is exists because he thinks it. That's who I am, Moses. So if you have made this excuse before, Yahweh hasn't changed. The burning bush is still burning. And he invites you into that fire with him. He says, come, ask me who I am. Find out who I am. Let's walk together. Serve. And as you serve and as you get involved and as you, as you let go of self and you focus on me, you're going to see me like you have never imagined. I am who I am, Moses. And of course, Jesus used that too. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Because Yahweh is also a representation, or like we could say, the pre-incarnate Christ. Wow. That's who Moses was talking to? Yeah. And you and I have the same privilege every single day. So next time, Next time, we want to use that excuse of, who are you, Lord? Let's remember who we're talking to. The great Yahweh. And so, Moses is like, whoa. Okay, excuse number three. We find that in chapter four. Turn to chapter four, verse one. Maybe we have made this excuse. What about this excuse? Verse 1 of chapter 4. Are you there? Yes. Chapter 4. Capítulo 4. Del libro de Éxodo. Capítulo 4, versículo 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So what is Moses really saying? What if it doesn't work? What if I try? Let's pretend I go, Okay. And it doesn't work. I fail. Have you ever refrained to do something because you were afraid of failure? Of course. All of us have. And to a certain extent, it's good to have risk assessment. Right? Of course. But when it comes to spiritual things, and if you know God is calling you to do something, this is what Moses was doing. What if I fail? What if I tell them about the origins conversation that we're going to have in church, and they laugh at me. What if I share with them how God has changed me? What if I share with them how I love to pray to my Jesus, and they reject me? What if they close the door in my face? The Adventist movement has been, has been talking about Jesus coming back for a long time. What if I tell them Jesus is coming soon and they say, yeah, really? You're right. You guys did that in 1844. It didn't go so well, did it? What if they mock me? What if I fail? Hmm. And the response that God gives, <laughs> it's very profound, very interesting. 
All these responses, they come in ways that perhaps you wouldn't think. God answers him by giving him three signs. But we're going to focus because of time on the first one. Okay? So, verse 2 is the answer. Verse 2 of chapter 4 is the answer. What is that in your hand? Wait, wait, wait. The question was, what if I fail? What if I go and they don't believe me? And then the answer is, what's in your hand? That's kind of different. But see, I love this. Because teachers teach with questions. So God must be a teacher as well. Yes. And so he's like, okay, let me respond with a question. What's in your hand, Moses? And Moses like, well, what does a shepherd have in their hand? The only thing they have. I mean, they have a few tools, a few things. But what he had in his hand was was the shepherd's staff, the, the, the rod of Moses. That's what he had. And Moses may be confused or whatever. He's like, well, uh, I, I have my staff. Okay, Moses, good. Now throw it down. What? Throw it down. What does that mean? Why would he ask him to throw it down? What does it represent? What kind of answer is that to the question of what if, what if I fail? You see, our problem is sometimes that we measure spiritual warfare by human standards. We try to go into the battle with spiritual forces, with human means. We look at the problem and we say, this is impossible. Because we're thinking about our talents. We're thinking about our resources. We're thinking about our uh, ways, our, our, our per- personalities, our degrees, uh, whatever. We think about that and we say, how are we going to? Because the, but you see, that was Moses' problem when he was 40 years old. Because he was thinking of his own talent. God was trying to teach him. Moses, it's not about what you can do with your talents. It's about what you Choose to throw down at my feet. Think about it. Moses was a shepherd. Did God tell him to quit shepherding? Quit shepherding? No, not really. It just changed. The disciples, what did, what did Jesus say to the disciples? Oh, you will still be fishermen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not asking you to stop being fishermen. In fact, you understand a lot about evangelism. You, <laughs> you will be fisher of men now. Much more much deeper, much bigger than you could ever had pictured as a shepherd. I'm going to deal with sheep. Oh, you will continue to be shepherd, Moses. But now you're going to shepherd my people. Out of slavery into the promised land, Moses. I don't want you to give up shepherding. I just want you to throw it down at my feet and I will transform it. Then you can pick it back up again. Oh, somebody might be, might be, somebody might, be, might need to listen to this word. Look, God does not want you to stop doing the things that you're good at. He put them there for a purpose. He put that passion there for a purpose. He gives talents. The Holy Spirit gives talents as he wishes. And also, besides the talent, he gives spiritual gifts, of which prophecy is one of them, of course. So you take all of that. It's not that God wants you to give up. No, he, but he wants you to lay it at his feet. He says, I don't need you to stop doing what you're good at. I just need you to lay it down at my feet. I want you to, to give it to me. Or you might not think it's much. Some of us think, oh, it's just the staff. Like, what? 
What in the world can do with this stuff? What, what, what use does God have with what I have in my hands? There's not, I have talked to so many people that say, <clears throat> I don't have any talents. A lot of young people tell me, I don't have any talents. And that is false. Everyone has a staff. God says, what's in your hand? Good, throw it down. Give it to me. And you will be surprised. You will be amazed at the things that God can do with whatever you're holding in your hand. Is it whatever it is? Whatever you think, well, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, oh, no, throw it down. And also don't, don't try to use it and say, okay, Lord, with my staff, we will save the world. No, Moses, that's what you did 40 years ago. I need you to throw it down. I, 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 don't want you, I don't want you to trust in your human things. But I want to use your personality. I want to use your talents. I want to use you just the way you are. With all the flaws and mistakes. I, that's, how, that's what I want. Throw it down, Moses. Let me transform it. So, if you have used that excuse and you say, what if I fail? Remember, we can pretend to do God's work with our own strength and might, but we will never fulfill his dream for our lives until we cast down everything that we have at his feet. Until we empty ourselves and we say, here's, here's what I have. Here's my staff. I don't, I don't have much, Lord. I'm, I don't have much, but here, here it is. If that's what you want, I'll throw it down. What do you have in your hand? What do you hold in your hand? <laughs> throw it down. Cast it down. And give it to him. Tell him, this is what I have. It doesn't matter if you feel like it's not much. It doesn't matter if you feel you don't have talents. You do. Throw it down. And see Watch how God transforms it. So Moses has to move, to, move on to, to number four. We got we to gotta move on too. So response number three, what, what's in your hand? Throw it down. Okay, let's review. So we have one, two, three so far. Who am I? Who are you? What if I fail? Number four. All the excuses are being answered by God. So number four, let's go to, <clears throat> to number four. And this is already in verse 10. Let's go to verse 10 of, we're still in chapter 4. Verse 10, Moses says, Oh my Lord, you can, you can hear the, 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 the frustration in Moses. Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent. The new King James says, Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So now Moses is saying, I am not good enough. Lord, look at all my flaws. Look at everything that I have done. Do you remember how I killed that Egyptian with my own? How can you still want to use me? Excuse number four, I am not good enough. Have you ever felt like you were not good enough? Oh, yes. Have you ever said, I cannot fill in the blank? I cannot talk. Oh. Some of you might relate to this. Some of you might not. But when you come... When you move to another country and you have to learn the language, it's a humbling experience. Do I have a witness? 
And to get up and talk in a language that you don't even understand is frightening, let alone being frightening to talk in front of people. Lord, who is going to want to listen to a person with this accent? Who is going to want to listen? Who's going to, I'm not, I stutter, I this, I that. Fill in the blank. You have done it. I have done it. I am not good enough because of this and this and this. What is the response? Check it out. Response number four. Response number four. Verse 11. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? What is God really saying here? Moses, I understand that you stutter. I am very aware of your flaws and shortcomings. In fact, I saw it all. But I don't, I don't think you realize who it is that is talking to you right now. Moses, let me explain this to you. I was the one who put together the first cell in your mother's womb. I was the one who, who, who divided that first cell, miracle of miracles, scientifically. Like, this is just an incredible engineering feat. How does the first cell divide into two cells and then replicates itself without anything wrong? I mean, this is, this is, every, every time this happens, we should say, wow, we have no idea. And God says, Moses, let me explain this to you. I was there. I created you. I created the mouth that you say cannot do what I'm asking you to do. I was the one who came into the darkness, Moses. There was nothing around. I showed up and I said, let there be light. And guess what, Moses? There was no light source around. And yet there was light. I am your creator. I'm the one who created Adam with my own hands and breathed breath. That first breath into him. You see, all the confusion about, about who we really are is very good at not making us do what God wants us to do. If you don't believe that God is the creator, what right does he have to tell you to go and serve him? So this is very important. And it is not a coincidence that it was Moses who wrote Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here, in in this response, God is starting to show him that revelation. So I can hear God saying, Moses, I am the creator. In fact, write this down, Moses. (laughs) In the beginning... (laughs) Was the heavens, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Write it down. In fact, you know what the first book was that was written in the Bible? Most likely, as far as we can tell, it was the book of Job. Moses probably wrote the book of Job first, even before he wrote Genesis. And in the book of Job, one of the best descriptions of creation is there. God says to Job, were you there? And I can't help but to know, to think that there was a connection with this response. Moses was remembering when God told him, I am your creator, Moses. Don't tell me 
what you can or cannot do. I don't make junk. I am an artist. I am your artist. I am the poet that wrote your history. I am the sculpture of your heart. Don't dare tell me that because you stutter, you cannot go talk to Pharaoh. I will teach you what to say, he tells Moses. I will teach you what to say. So it is with you and I. You might say, I'm not good enough. I don't know what your good enough is. But you, you will have things and times and days where you are telling God, Father, I cannot, look, I don't do this well and that. And the reality is, I was telling, <clears throat> I was telling the first service as well, the reality is, everywhere I've been, there's always been somebody better than me at whatever. I love to play the piano, but everywhere I go, there's always a better pianist. And this church has top musicians. Amen. There's always going to be somebody better. That's not the point. The point is us understanding that because he is our creator, he will give us the strength, the power, the wisdom to do what he's calling us to do. If he's putting you in a situation where he's telling you do this, he's not going to leave you to do it on your own strength because he's calling you to do something you cannot do on your own. In fact, if all you do for God... Let me take a breath about that statement. If all we do for God are things that we can do with our own strength, then we're not really fulfilling his dream for us. God says, don't focus on what you cannot do. I am aware of your limitations. I am aware of where your degree is. But I can take you and I can use you to deliver my people. Or in your case, to do whatever it is God is asking you to do. And the Holy Spirit will tell you what that is. So, God has answered every, every excuse. Has he not answered every excuse? He's not afraid of our excuses. He says, bring them on. Come on. Let's have a conversation. So Moses runs out of excuses. What do you do when we run out of excuses? Well, you go to your last excuse, your last resort excuse. Check it out. Look at what Moses says. I laugh because we have done this so many times. I have done this so many times. Verse 13. But Moses said, but he said, Oh my Lord, please send what? Send someone else. Uh, no, 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 brother so-and-so can do, can do it. Uh, sister so-and-so can do it. Is this resonating with anybody or is it just me that I, that I wrestle with this? Oh, no, no, that pastor can do it. That musician can do it. That director can do it. Oh, I've done this so much. <sighs> Send someone else, please, Lord. Off the hook. I want to be off the hook. Let me, let me just continue to share. I'll be the shepherd of the sheep for you. I can do that, God. Send someone else to talk to Pharaoh. That's going to be really difficult. Was Moses right? Yes, it was really difficult. It's not easy. That's the last resort. Send someone else. Somebody else can do what you're asking me to do. 
Please, Lord. What is God's response? Verse 14. It is there. Verse 14. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. I mean, you can tell, like a teacher kind of gets frustrated at times. It's like, Moses, Moses! Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? What? What does that have to do with anything? Listen to what God says. I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You see what God is doing? God is anticipating the excuse. It's like, Moses, I got you. I know you want someone else. I get that. Understand. In fact, in fact, I'm going to bring your brother to help you. You want help? I'll give you help. But you're not off the hook on this one. (laughs) Fine. I'll give you the help. Your brother Aaron is already on his way. So whatever it is that we need, he already has it on the way. I think about all the things that I have sometimes told God, send someone else, and all the ways that he has provided every single time. In the case of Moses, Aaron helped him. His staff became a symbol of God's power. As he walked and as he served, oceans, the sea opened up. God made provision for what God was asking Moses to do in ways that only God could do. So understand that when you're making this excuse of saying, send someone else, God's got you. God understands your heart. He understands my heart. And he sends what you will need to do the job that he's asking you to do. Isn't that amazing? Aaron is on his way. To meet you. Now go, Moses. Go. I will be with you. I will be your mouth. And he will help you to speak. I will do wonders with you. Go, Moses. So you can see the excuses there as we review. Who am I? Read them with me. Who am I? The response is... I will be with you. Number two, who are you? What is the answer? I am who I am. Number three, excuse number three, what if, what if I fail? The response is, throw it down. The results are in my hand, Moses. Number four, I am not good enough. What is the response? I am the creator. The last one, read it with me. Send someone else. What's God's response? They are already on their way. I don't know which excuse has resonated best with you. I know that in my life, this is, this is a very personal sermon for me because, because, well, I have made excuses. And and because I have seen God maybe forced is a strong word, but move me to do things I never thought I could do. I have seen um, seas open up where I thought there was no there were no ways out. There was no way out. 
So I can tell you, when it comes to spiritual things, God will be the one who does through you the work that He's calling you to do. Stop being self-centered about our excuses. Let's look at Him. Let's think about what He can do. Let's throw down our talents at His feet. Even if we feel like it's not much. Here, Lord, this is what I got. That's all I got. God says, thank you. Now go. And you will see what I can do through and with you. So what do you say? In this church, there's a lot of possibilities and things to get involved in. I don't know what God is calling you to do. It might be even a new ministry that we don't have yet. I don't know. But if you want to put your response in the connect card, the pastors would like to know how you're responding to God's call in your heart. If you like to do, you can write it there, you can send a text, whatever you want to do. But let's not make more excuses. Let's go. Because God, Yahweh, will be with us.
high king of heaven, ruler of the universe, Yahweh. I can't help but to think how you came in and resurrected Moses, who is living in your fire right now. Father, bless us now. As I say the blessing the way that Moses wrote it. Shalom.